1: Ty's got good hair.
4: Good morning, Chuck. Guys, how are you? Man, it's Monday. Making it through. Didn't get hit by a tornado last night, which well, is always good. good. That's, that's always good. good. I know it
1: was a weather... Uh, I slept through it, but I know there was some weather. Did your phone wake you up about
3: no. 1 o'clock? Ours did. That, uh, that 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 sound that will make oh, you sit yeah. up straight in
4: the middle oh, of
1: the yeah. night. You know, It'll wake the neighbors up. Yes, yes. So. I know the sound. No, I didn't hear it.
4: So, Chuck, what was your... Biggest takeaway from Saturday. Well, are you talking about the game or are you talking about everything else? Uh, let's just talk about the game first and we'll get into the rest of that. I thought Pat Forty had a pretty good piece on that.
1: Well, I thought it was a really physical game. I mean, yes. it was a, uh, you know, a hotly contested game. They could have called a lot more fouls. I'm glad they didn't, but they could have. I mean, they were just shoving each other all over the place, even out on the perimeter. I thought Arkansas competed hard. I mean, it was a hostile environment and... I didn't think they uh, lost their poise down the stretch. Now, I do think there were some points early in the second half where Alabama really took over. And I think there were some points where Arkansas was a little bit starry-eyed, at least some of them were. But I thought they collected themselves and played well down the stretch. Uh, had a chance, you know, if you'd said when they were down 12 with 248 to go, they're going to get a three to try to send it into overtime. I don't know that I'd believe that. I-, I thought they were masterful in the last – 248 in terms of how they got back in it but um, Alabama's really good. I mean they've got good players and um, you know it's the number two team on their home floor on a Saturday afternoon. Most of the time they're going to win. I thought Arkansas really competed well. I think it'll serve them well. And uh, if it works out where they play again in the conference tournament, um, I'm looking forward to that game.
4: I think Arkansas wants to play them again. Now, I said this stat earlier, Chuck, and I think Hodstack's was the one that had it. Fifth time this season, you've had a road lead of eight points or more that you've let slip away. I mean, I, I, if you're Eric Musselman in this staff, how do you come to grips with that? And you're this team. How do you overcome that like they did in Lexington and, and Columbia?
1: Well, I think the good news is you only have one more of those games, and that's tomorrow night. That's the last one of those games that you have. Every game after that's on a neutral floor, uh, with the exception, obviously, of the Kentucky game in Fayetteville. So, um, you know, you try to survive these road games. I think Arkansas is still in a very good position to be in the NCAA tournament. In fact, I think they're in. Um, So, um, you know, that's what you ultimately will – be remembered for, you know, when you uh, is when you get to the NCAA tournament. But um, I don't think they played badly on the road. They've just not quite been able to close some of these games out. And, um, you know, a lot of the places, like, for example, people come out of the Alabama game saying, well, you know, what do they have to do to close out a game on the road? Well, I mean, look at what Alabama's done at home this year. Look at what they've done to everybody else. I mean, Arkansas gave them a run for their money. And... Um, so I don't think they've got anything to hang their heads about.
3: And you think about the quality opponent. You were 15th in net ranking, or whatever you value that. Going into the game, you lose the game, you move up one. So I mean,
1: yeah, and and you know the same thing. You you can play tomorrow night, and um, right. you can lose, and probably the same thing would happen. That's that's why I say I think Arkansas is in. So um, I think I think they're in. So you you just played
3: you just played number two you play number three like you say tomorrow night Kentucky this morning the net ranking is number twenty so that, that's what you face this week is two quad ones <laughs> two quad ones and one at home and I, I think if you just go one of two and uh, this week and find a way to do that I don't think you have any concerns when you leave for Nashville
1: I honestly think they could go zero and two this week and lose in the first round of the tournament and still be in. Based on the metrics and where they are right now, I don't think that's going to happen. And I'm saying I'm not saying that should be your goal, <laughs> but um, I think that uh, I think they're in. I think they're in, and um, you know we'll see what happens. But um, you know everything that I've seen the last 24 hours has them been an eight or a nine spot. Um, I don't think you drop out from there. I, I just don't think. I, I you know even like let's say. Let's say, in, in a worst-case scenario, they fall on their faces this week and don't have a good game in the first round of the conference tournament. Two of those three games, I mean, are not going to hurt you at all in the net. And the other, by this point in the season, even a so-called bad loss, which you're not going to have in terms of the numbers on a neutral floor, um, I don't even think that would be enough to knock them out. I, th- I think they're in, but, you know, I uh, – you know, I hope they don't go zero three and have to prove me right. No, me neither. Mathematically, you're set to play on
4: Thursday next week in Nashville. It's just a matter of when. Right now, if you were to if you were to play today as the eight seed, you'd play at twelve o'clock next Thursday in Nashville. But gonna see how not only you fare in Knoxville on Tuesday and then in against the Wildcats on Saturday, but how it plays out. Chuck, what did you think of Anthony Black? I thought, I mean, he had an off game. That's one of the worst SEC games that he played. And really, they looked, it was kind of odd to say, and I hadn't said this at all this season, they looked better without him off the court in the first half and just didn't have a great second half. What did you think of A.B.'s game on Saturday?
1: He didn't have his best game. You know, he's, uh, Alabama's really, you know, he's, I I won't go so far as to say they've had his number twice, but they've made it really hard on him twice and um no he didn't he didn't have his best game saturday and there were times just like any player if i mean if you're having a bad game i mean there's going to be times they play better without you and yeah there were some points saturday where i thought they got into a little bit better flow but make no mistake about it i mean if they're going to beat tennessee they're going to need anthony black to play well and Mm -hmm. and if they're going to win moving forward they're going to need him to play well thought he had a bad game just 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 to be honest
3: yeah and uh he fouled out at the end. He seemed frustrated with kind of where he left the team there at the end, leaving the game with his fifth foul, Chuck.
1: Well, he got in foul trouble early, and, um, you know, uh, that'll that'll ruin your day. You know, it'll it'll get you out of sorts, and it, uh, it affects everything that happens the rest of the afternoon, not just for the individual but for the team, particularly when it's a player like him. So I thought that kind of set the tone for him early when he got a couple of early fouls. Um, there was one of them where he, he just kind of pushed the guy in the back. I mean, it was a pretty obvious foul. Um, so, you know, I, I, just, I just thought he had a frustrating day.
4: Javon Quinterly didn't do anything really against you in Fayetteville, but that second half, Chuck, I mean, there wasn't anyone on that court that could guard him, and I, I, I mean, I said it last time. I think that kid's a punk. I hate playing him. He's one of the most annoying players in the SEC, but he ripped you apart on Saturday.
1: Yeah, Arkansas didn't stop the ball very well at times in the second half, and um, you know they uh, um, that open three that he got at the end was a uh, was a dagger from over there in the corner, and um, you know I think coaches will sit down and break down that film, and they've already seen things in that play that we didn't see, but I think that you can probably point to two or three defensive breakdowns that that led to really big baskets for the other side. Yeah.
3: You enter the week with the two games right now alone in eighth place in the league. I guess if you go 0-2 in Florida and Mississippi State, both go 2-0 and somehow this week. And I hadn't looked at their schedule. Possible. They could flip past you. But uh, right now you seem like you were talking a second ago, Ty. Solidly in that second group of four teams, but you're on the tail end of it. You got to win one to make sure you're in there. There's uh, three teams, Missouri, Auburn, and Vanderbilt. Uh, teams that you feel like you're better than at, at, at points this year that all are a game ahead of you at 9-7. and seven. Uh, So you need some help to climb up in the seedings. I don't know that's paramount to anything, but right now you sit alone in eighth in
1: the uh, conference standings this morning at 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, if you're going to win the tournament, it would be nice not to have to face Alabama on Friday. I mean, nobody would in their perfect world, would say, all right, we're going to play the, the conference champion or the team that I suspect is going to be the conference champion. Um, you don't want to play them right off the bat or in your second game. But, you know, here's the deal. I mean, um, this is how it's played out. And based on what happened Saturday, based on what or where they may be seated, that really doesn't affect my view right now of whether or not they can win some games and make a run. I think there's the talent there that if they get hot, uh, you know, as, as as you've got to do if you're going to make a run through a tournament. I think the talent's there to do that. Nothing that happened Saturday changed my mind. Uh, whether they're a 7, 8, 9, or 10 seed at the conference tournament, not going to change my mind. Um, if Arkansas plays Alabama on Friday, let's go do it again because I'll, uh, um, you know – I'll take my chances against those guys, even though they are very good. Wanna, Hard to beat a good team three times, guys. I want to That's def- what they say, but good teams sometimes do beat other teams if, three times. Yeah,
4: I, I want to stay on that for a sec. Would you rather play them on Friday or Saturday and Sunday? Because sometimes we've seen teams that haven't played just yet, and you get used to playing there once. I think I'd rather play Alabama on Friday. rather Because if you play them on Saturday, you'll have two games that you've already played. Hey, you play there- on Sunday, that's three. I'd rather play
1: those guys on Friday. We'll is call your, them up and let's just re-bracket this thing. Does just, your scenario uh,
3: only include playing Thursday or does your scenario include playing? Because what you don't want to do is you've played two games already.
4: You can't play Wednesday. You're mathematically ineligible to play out of Wednesday.
1: Okay, you so automatically are they're going to be Wednesday. on five or well, six. Now, are you sure about that? Are you yeah. sure yeah. Arkansas is locked it. into Thursday? Top, I think there's a, be, uh, there's a way they could drop. I mean, it's you know, highly unlikely. I've seen it. I I can't articulate it to you off the top of my head. But I I don't I don't I don't think they've clinched Thursday yet. You've I, got the I, one I win over Georgia.
4: You've got the one win over Georgia. The head to head. They're six and ten. You're eight and eight. If you drop two and they won two, you've got the head to head.
1: What so, about Florida? What about Mississippi
4: uh, State? Uh, that's outside. Though they're not. It's just the four okay. seats on Wednesday. Well,
1: I, I mean, I'm not going to get bogged down in that. I, I think they're going to play Thursday too. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out.
4: I would rather play Alabama if you play on Thursday night and you play them on Friday than rather play them on Saturday or Sunday where you would have two or three games. It's not like that it's 100% locked into playing, but guys, I'd rather play them on Friday, 100%.
1: Well, you know, I guess. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Sometimes you get to Saturday or Sunday and you're riding that emotional wave, um, you know, and, and um, I've seen that happen with teams. I do think, you know, while it's very, very difficult to win four games in four days or even three games in three days um, if you're not one of the better teams, um, you know, it can be done. But I understand what you're saying. I wouldn't argue with that. Unfortunately, we don't have a choice. I mean, if Arkansas plays on Thursday and they're an eight or a nine seed and they win that game, they'll play the top seed, and it sure looks like it's going to be Alabama. So regardless of what you'd rather have, that's how it's going to be.
3: Let me – Let me support your point with this. We see Kentucky, when Kentucky's really good, a lot of times their fans will wait till they wait till they win on Friday and then come for the weekend. A lot of people will try to just make it a weekend trip to Nashville. So, there will be a portion, and this is true with Alabama. Arkansas, when they've been really good, has has done the same thing. and uh, Your fan base in totality that's going to be there for the weekend won't show up till Saturday and sometimes Sunday when your surprise team may be in the championship game so it would probably be uh less daunting even in a neutral site to play them on friday versus saturday or sunday it's gonna be curious and
4: last year there's a lot of various teams florida had some good fan turnout tennessee had a great turnout in tampa but nashville being more center who ends up dominating kentucky always does we'll see how many alabama fans end up making the trip to tuss or excuse me to nashville Chuck, what did you think about that final sequence we heard your call the top are open. I know Nick was asked about that in the post game. That's what JT in Laurel, Mississippi, wants to ask. How do you not get the ball to Nick Smith in that situation?
1: Well, because there's five guys on the other team trying to make sure he does not I mean, you know. And less um, than 10 on the clock. And less than 10 on the clock. I mean, you know, you got to go. And sometimes that's how the play plays out, so to speak. Um, yeah, in a perfect world, you got Nick shooting that shot. Nobody's on him, you know, in a perfect world. But, um, you know, that's one of those things people say after the fact. I'm, I mean, that's, uh, um, you know, the simple answer would be because you're playing the number two team in the country on their home floor, and I'm sure that, you know, they talked about making sure he didn't get the ball. And, um, you know, counsel's, counsel's not a bad bet with the ball in his hand. It's just the shot didn't go in. Yeah, and you got
3: to get it to him off the inbound because there's risk in taking yeah. making yeah. a pass in that moment i mean you only had what 7.8 if i remember right i mean it's it's like eight seconds left i mean and you had to go the full length so i mean council got a okay look was it a great look he was kind of fading on the corner there to the left but i mean i've seen worse shots in situations like that
1: it's the best look you could hope for with 7.8 left i mean short of just a total and complete defensive breakdown which you're not going to get in a situation like that that's that's as good a shot as you can hope for just didn't go in
4: our number this morning is eight seven seven three seven seven six nine six three. Charlie in Camden is with us now. Charlie, go ahead, man.
5: Good morning, guys. Uh, listen, I agree with all you guys. I think I even saw um, somebody that was doing a bracket thing that had us even go up to a seven seed at this point, even with just that loss, like our net rankings. Tommy, I don't know if you've looked at it, but I think, the ordinary rankings definitely did not go down.
3: And we went to uh, – you were at 14 far. versus – you were at 15 on Saturday. You are at 14 this morning.
5: Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's because you go and do Tuscaloosa. And I think Arkansas is, like, the only team that has really given them a game down there other than Mississippi State. So,
6: mm-hmm.
5: I mean, look, at the end of the day, the only – got to make your free throws in the second half. I mean, if you're going to point to anything that they got to do a little bit better job of, and that that's one – and the scoring roll that happened, it happened. But, you know, listen, I knew Alabama was going to make a run. I mean, we all knew it was going to happen eventually. And so, I think the thing is, when you get into that point, uh, you, you got to make your free throws. And I think Arkansas was leading the rebounding battle before halftime, and then they wound up losing it by 11.
1: Oh, I don't know. They were, tied. Just, they were tied at halftime. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I thought Alabama just. I don't know. They just got to the ball more in the second half. They got the loose balls. They got the rebounds. And to me, you talked about, you guys talked about Anthony black. That was one of his worst games of the year. I don't think either Mitchell twin played their best as far as getting rebounds. Now, I think one of them had eight and he was blocking some shots, but the other, I think it's the starting one. Uh, he, he didn't, he didn't have his better game. One of his better games of the year. I mean, it was probably one of the worst games he played. And, uh, I thought maybe we should have tried Graham, but I understand that he does lack some defensive effort and things of that. But, yeah, I put some points on the board on the road, man, at the end of the day. But I'm not mad. This team is fine. We lose by three on the road to Alabama. We're in a good spot. I mean, I still think we got a shot tomorrow night, and uh, I think we got a chance to beat Kentucky. I'd much rather be seven or ten than I would be eight or nine. That's just me, though, guys. Anyways,
1: I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate it.
4: Thanks, Charlie. Chuck, what did you think about Jalen Graham not really getting many minutes till the tail end of that second half?
1: I didn't think anything about it. Arkansas scored eighty three points. I mean, they scored eighty three points.
4: Nothing you want to add? Well,
1: I mean, I mean, they had a five minute scoring drought in the second half. I, well, I mean, I that's a pretty like... open question. I mean, what do you think about Jalen Graham not playing? Well, no, I mean, I didn't, I was... didn't, I, did, I didn't think anything about it. To be honest with you, I, just... I don't think it was the difference in the ball game.
3: I mean. I mean, I think Chuck said it right. now. I was thinking about this last night when I was rewatching the game again. Is this this was a game that Arkansas needed that probably couldn't keep it in the 60s because Alabama's just mm-hmm. too potent offensively. A game in the 80s just doesn't favor the Razorbacks. I mean, Arkansas, you look down the wins, how many of them are in the 60s this year? I mean, this just wasn't a game. And moving forward, whether it's Tennessee tomorrow, whether it's Kentucky next week. It's hard for Arkansas when the, when the scoring totals get into the 80s. They just don't win a lot in that range. So. Well,
1: see, I thought Saturday, I thought both teams struggled to, uh, to uh, stop the ball. I thought both teams struggled to stop the ball. And here's why I say that. You look at the end of the ball game. You remember what Mus said last week. We talked about it, how he's going to, you know, Arkansas is going to have to share the ball. You, you know, this is going to have to be like the Georgia game, high assist game. Well, the game ends – Arkansas has made 29 baskets and they've got 6 assists. Alabama at the end of the ball game, you know, they've made 29 baskets as well. They have 13 assists. That's not a real high total even for Alabama. And it's a low total for Arkansas. So at first glance, you think, well, wow, they didn't share the ball very well. must not have been a good offensive day. They didn't do what the coach said last week they were going to need to do. And yet you look at the scoreboard, and it's 86 to 83. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you teams aren't stopping the ball. Arkansas's biggest liability Saturday was they didn't stop the ball. Alabama's biggest liability Saturday was they didn't stop it either. And that's why the point totals got high. Now, if somebody can't stop you going to the rim, you keep going to the rim. Yeah, I mean. But now Arkansas' problem on the other end, and you talked about Quinterly earlier, they just couldn't stop Alabama from getting to the rack mm-hmm. in the second half. They beat them off the dribble. That's why there weren't a lot of assists. I don't know that this game really unfolded offensively the way a lot of people thought it would because I think, frankly, most people thought the two defenses would be better at stopping the ball and neither one of them did a very good job at it See,
3: I thought it was a game where you went to the hole hard they allowed the officials allowed you to block shots it was a physical ball game it was you know a, a lot of offensive initiated contact going to the hole and Arkansas didn't make enough of those shots inside you look at the defensive rebounding differences 34 to 24. Arkansas went to the hole a lot of times. worse worst no assist because you dribbled it into the hole. That's right. I mean, that's that, exactly right. That's exactly how Arkansas attacked this game was going to the hole, but you missed those shots going into double teams. Alabama gets the rebound, and
4: that's that. And if not for the fouls at the tail end of that game, Arkansas would have shot more free throws than the Crimson Tide. Except you had to foul them at the tail end but, to get back in it.
3: Yeah, and you know when you look at how that game, that's how you want the game. Work mm-hmm. because Arkansas wants to go for block shots, and I thought early on uh, in this game, Chuck, they were they were messing with
1: Alabama's head a little bit with the way they were blocking shots. They they, they certainly protected the rim early on. That's mm-hmm. for sure. And and look, Alabama's you know Alabama's got a little more length than Arkansas does. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I thought there were times when that showed too. Last
4: year, the best. Front court in college basketball was Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. This year, it's a combination of Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, and Betty Aco, and you were still able to attack them
3: at times pretty consistently throughout that game. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was a fun game, but, but a, a physical game, and probably one that it, you won't see probably a game more physical than that moving forward because it will not be that physical, I believe, in the NCAA
1: tournament. I think that's about it as physical as you're going might it be. may be tomorrow night, and right. it may be Saturday. But I, you know, <laughs> that was a physical game. That's for sure. That <laughs> game sure was. Hey, it's Phil Elson. From all these years watching baseball, I've grown accustomed to watching closers in their element. James Teague isn't closing innings anymore. He's closing cases. With almost 30 years in the business, Teague Law Firm is a general practice firm that can help you with most family law issues, divorce, custody, and child support. They can also help with criminal law, both felonies and misdemeanors. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. 531-2785. Online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm. If they can't help you, they'll talk baseball. Baseball.
4: Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from the NFL and Bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts.
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
4: All right, we'll talk about the baseball series in Fayetteville coming up. And I think more fans want to talk about what's going on with Tennessee and Tony Vitello. He gets suspended over the weekend for NCAA Inquiry allegedly tampering with star transfer Maui Ahuna. Is that how you said, the Kansas kid? What do you guys think about that news that broke, I think, late on Friday?
1: Well, I got to be honest. I, I was... Uh... You know, I was in Alabama, so I didn't follow it maybe as closely as some. I, I, I don't know anything about it to be honest, other than you know there have been some allegations and they suspended him for the weekend. But beyond that, I, I don't I don't know anything about it.
4: He's still not playing at this point in time. His eligibility is still in question. But I guess the the thing I would ask on this: how much more is tampering happening with the transfer portal than it was prior to? I mean, is it gone? up a hundred percent or is it y'all think it's it's oh. over the top now than where i think it's previously? prevalent
1: i think it's prevalent um i'm not naive in that respect i think it is prevalent but um how much i mean i don't know well, before you
3: didn't have a reason to be reaching out to someone that was on scholarship at another university yeah. now the portal gives you a reason to so i mean you know what, what is the fine line between an inquiry and tampering i mean there's kids on teams that played with kids on other teams. They text them. There's there's friendships, relationships. Does that does that initiate a phone call to the school I, I, or to that coaching staff? I, you know, where, where where is the fine line where tampering begins? That's what I don't really understand.
1: Well, if a member of the staff initiates the conversation, that's tampering. Yeah. At least that would be my definition of it. What exactly the rules say? I mean, this is one of those things where um, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm not equipped to talk about this intelligently because I don't know exactly what's going on. And, and we don't know beyond the fact that, you know, there are some allegations evidently of some impropriety and they've decided to, you know, sit their coach for a little bit. And I'm sure the NCAA involved. Obviously they are, but, um, you know, we're just going to have to see how this unfolds and as more stuff comes out. But, um, no, uh, you know, to answer your question, I think it goes on. Uh, you know, to to what extent, I don't know. But when this, you know, that's one of the things about the portal. I mean, gosh, you got winks in the handshake line. So I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, I mean that stuff goes on. Excellent. Yeah. Well, the reason I wanted
4: to bring this up is to parallel what Danny White is doing comparatively to what Greg Byrne is doing. With or is there any comparisons whatsoever? No. This is an apple no. oranges thing.
1: Why? This is, oh, a, yeah. Apples and oranges. A, apples
3: and bumper cars. I mean,
1: yeah. uh, well, I mean,
3: no one lost their life with, in, in regards to Tennessee's situation. You have a rules violation. We have a loss of life in the Alabama. To, to me, they're, they're they're not even in the same breath or conversation.
4: So, isn't it? Doesn't it make it that much worse that Tennessee and Danny White decided? You know what? He's under inquiry. He had not been quote unquote charged that, with anything by the NCAA. It's a potential rules breaking the fact administrative that they're, issue cor- correct the fact that they're suspending him for this and there's still not anything that seems to be happening with Brandon Miller it seems to be two different styles of how this is going out leadership wise what it's Knoxville and Tuscaloosa
1: apples and oranges I, I don't i don't i don't think there's any comparison because the issues are incomparable yeah.
3: and yeah i don't you know i don't know you know we don't know enough about this as far as what information tennessee has how deep this needs to be looked into, but we are extremely early in a very long baseball season. And in the, the biggest games, the consequence are still to come. If I'm in Danny White's shoes or if I was in Hunter Juracek's shoes and there was a similar inquiry, let's take our medicine now before we get to the games in 30 days or so when the SEC play begins, maybe less than that now, uh, that, that the games really matter. And it's starting in the middle of mm-hmm. March. I don't want to kick the can down the road and then I'm forced to, to not have my coach, I'm paying more to than I have paid any other baseball coach in history at our school. I need him there for those ten SEC series. So let's, you know, let's deal with this head on. That okay. that seems to me from the outside looking in, maybe the approach Tennessee is taking now. Did you guys read Pat Forty's column on Alabama and the whole Brandon Miller situation? I pre-topped it on Twitter. I did see the I did. His tweet. I on read it. Here's the headline.
4: After Alabama's latest men's basketball embarrassment Saturday, the school needs to quit pretending it cares about murder victim Jamia Jones, I don't know how to say her middle name, Harris, or her family. Stop talking. No one believes you. And a lot of that was centered around the Brandon Miller pat-down, his pregame routine. Here's what Nate Oates said after the game in his involvement
0: there.
2: Before I get started on the game, it, it was brought to my attention after the game about our pregame introductions. I think that's something that's been going on all year. I don't watch our introductions. I'm not involved with them. I'm drawing up plays during that time. Regardless, it's not appropriate. It's been addressed, and I can assure you it definitely will not happen again the remainder of this year.
4: Chuck, I didn't think about this until you said an hour one, the murder has been at least five games since it's happened. I was just kind of okay. thinking, well, it just got brought up this week. Why is he doing it on
1: Saturday at home? But it's been five games since it's occurred. Well, it's the first time anybody's taken a picture of it. If the television station in Birmingham hadn't tweeted it out, we wouldn't be talking about it now. Nobody would have been talking about it. I mean, it's, uh, it's gone on for five games. So this idea that, you know, I don't know what goes on or it's inappropriate, it won't happen again. I mean, you know, she was killed in, uh, you know, it wasn't even the 15th of January, right around the 15th of January. So, you know, it's been a long time now, and they've done it every game. So this idea that, well, you know, we've done it every game, and he didn't realize, I mean, hey, there's a lot of people that work at that school, a lot of them in that athletic administration. Lord, you got so many people working in athletic administration now, it's hard to even know what everybody does. And you're going to tell me somebody didn't notice that? I mean, come on. That that just, everything that they've said, it just, um, it's like, give me a break. Someone should have said, you know,
3: for the last four games, I've noticed that Brandon Miller's been getting this pat-down, fake deal You know, at the end of his introduction. This probably wouldn't be a good day to do that. Someone, like you said, and the hundreds of people that work there should have raised their hand and had well, the courage to say something.
1: Well, I, I, I think people have to understand how the hierarchy works within an athletic program and around a team. I mean, the head coach is God. The head coach is God. And the athletic director is going to back the head coach. I mean, that's how it's going to work. And, um, you know, that's that's the way the game's played now, for better or worse. So, I mean, I, uh, um, um, I'm sure that people did notice. I'm certain people noticed over the course of those five games. But, you know, nobody said anything. Well, maybe. Because uh, it's – I'm just telling you within the hierarchy of that, particularly when things are going well – you don't want to be the guy that rocks the boat. And and I'll go back to what I said in the last hour. They're living in their bubble. They're in their bubble right now. They are oblivious to all of this. They don't care. Um, any explanation that they give is going to ring hollow. Um, they are all in. And they are, when you get in that bubble, I mean, you're without conscience at that point. And that's where they are. And um, I think it's shameful. But you know, it played out in Alabama exactly as I thought it would Saturday. I knew we'd get the biggest cheer, and I knew the people there would act like it was just a regular basketball Saturday. I knew that would happen, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, you you would just think with
3: the 47 assistant coaches and the 28 student managers and all those people, it's become like a football sideline these days yep. on a basketball sideline. It is amazing the way the staffs and the people that support those staffs have grown, that somebody would have noticed. But like you said, the hierarchy, you know, you don't want to get your head knocked well, off. Oh, they noticed. Yeah. Well, they noticed.
1: Somebody noticed. Yeah. I promise you. Well, there was but a reason that camera nothing was, was there said. waiting. Yeah. Nothing yeah. was said. That would be the thing that I would say. Hey, it's going to be a crazy weather week, guys. I know that. Already is. looking at the yeah. forecast. Already is. That brings me to my friends at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. This really is the time of year when you wanna make sure everything's running right. You know, we talked about this at the beginning of winter, how you know you gotta get ready, you gotta make sure everything's in order. Well spring's the same way. And you know, the plant protection program at Pascal really is the answer. I mean it really is. Because you get you get seasonal tune ups, you get maintenance, you get priority when something does go wrong. And I'm telling you, that that if you want to give yourself peace of mind, if you want to make certain that everything is going to w- go the way you want it to go and you don't have to think about it, um, the Pascal Plant Protection Program really will give you that peace of mind. Now, you know, this is an Arkansas-owned company, Arkansas-operated. Charlie Boyce, former Razorback baseball player, one of our greats, is the proprietor of Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. They got a staff of, you know, First off, I mean, these are bright people. I mean, they really are, and I think that's going to be your impression when you deal with Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. They're a 50-year-old company. They've been around forever in northwest Arkansas. They're expanding. They're expanding all over Arkansas, and if you're a new customer in a different spot, you're going to find out what people in northwest Arkansas have known for a long, long time, that these are professional people, that this is professional service, and you can log on to gopascal.com.
4: Sterling is in Center Ridge this morning. Sterling, what's going on?
6: Uh, Before I talk about the red-back basketball team, which I was very encouraged about a lot of things they did Saturday, Uh, my last thing I'm going to say about the Brandon Miller situation is this. that Right now, Alabama's at a point, in my opinion, of no return. Anything they do now, is going to ring, like Chuck said, it's going to ring hollow. It's going to feel like it's under pressure. It's going to look, it's trying to be, uh appeasing to the outcry to the out to the people yelling and screaming out there and they gonna seem very very hollow just doing it to check people up to, to move on and if that's your reason for doing it and you couldn't see it back in January 15th when they got the information then to me this is, this is I mean you might as well just move on now and I, I would have no more comments on the situation in this because you done did it already. Uh you know, it'd been been nice if we'd just say when they found out all the information that would come out and said that he's not a suspect. He he didn't break any laws. He just made he's just a he just guilty of terrible, terrible, terrible judgment and we're gonna do this, this and this and move and move for there. But they they didn't do it that way. They did the way they done it and I think they had a point of no return, and like Chuck said, they're they're all in. They might as well ride out and take whatever comes with it. As for our basketball team, I was very impressed with the with the game clarity. This Just one of the better teams in the country. One of maybe the best players in the country. And despite having a five plus minute drought, they had a shot to tie it up on the road to send it to overtime. This is a dangerous, dangerous basketball team, folks. And uh, I, you know, uh, I'm starting to wonder now. Is, is, is this must do he get a? And I'm all tongue in cheek. you let gonna put that out there first and foremost. But this must get to get the team, get the get the state all in the up about going to the final four, but sell out the season tickets. And then we have a low, so you can drop your expectations. And then you have a sprint to the finish, and you're on top of the world again. That's just seem to be the. Way this team? Of course, I'm joking about you know raising expectations because of course nobody's struggling on purpose by any means. But it's just funny how this team gets on this get on this push toward the end. I think this team's going to be a tough. I I don't want to see this team. If I'm anybody else, I don't want to see this team with Cancel, Black, and Smith. These guys are all going to get drafted in NBA. And then you got Walsh, whoever he comes out, he probably get drafted, but you know he's gonna be drafted at some point in time. You got four gay guys that you gotta deal with in a one shot road craps game. I don't want to, I I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. it Those cats can go. And with Smith, he you know, you see him starting to starting to get it going. And I, you look at the shot attempts, and you know, you a lot of people go with percentages and uses and some, some might say shoot too much. Some might say this or that. Whatever they want to say, but you know how good of a basketball player you have to be to get that many shots off. I mean, quality, good looks. You know, people talk about Kobe and George. That's how good you have to be to even get get those type of attempts. And that's what we have here. This team: Council, Smith, and Black, and you know Walsh, and play defense And you got a defensive player like Davis. This team's
1: going to be rough. I'm telling you, this team's a dangerous, dangerous team. Sterling, thank you. A couple of points on that. I mean, you talked about the number of shots. I mean, Smith, you know, I found myself during that ball game thinking, man, they got to get the ball to Nick more. Nick's got to shoot more. But then you look at the line at the end of the game, he shot 23 times. That's a lot of shots, you know. So um, it is difficult to get that many shots up. All these guys need to play well together. Um, if you're going to make a run, it's not just enough to have four guys that are going to be drafted. It's not just enough to have a bunch of guys that are going to play pro. Um, they've got to play as a team. You can't have a game where one guy isn't there, so to speak. One guy plays lousy. You can't have a game because, look, here's the deal. If you got one guy playing lousy defense, the other side's going to pick on him all day, just like we do. Just like we do. And they did it Saturday. You go back and watch that tape. They did it Saturday. Alabama did. And, um, you know, that's what good teams do. So you got to have all these guys playing well, playing together at the same time. It's not just about talent. Um, you know, that, that gives you a chance. But it's not just about that. And what I would hope is that, and, and this has to happen if you're going to make a run. Uh, all these guys have to be playing well. You can't have one or two guys play lousy games because if they do, that's the game you're going to lose.
3: No, I mean, and uh, yeah, I think the way they've come along, I think they're still settling in with Nick Smith. Uh, I mean, and you're right. You, want to, you I think it comes down to he didn't get that final shot. People don't think he took enough shots because he didn't take the last shot. But 23 is probably enough. But we don't focus enough on defense. And you said something a few minutes ago that you know, we we, all, we tend to focus on the runs you make on the road offensively, but oftentimes you forget about the defensive lapses that sometimes, you know, doom you when it comes to a road loss like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the offense had anything to do with that loss on Saturday. I mean, you score 83 points at Alabama, second-ranked team in the country, one of the best defenses in America. Score 83 points, you've had a good day on that end of the floor. Yeah. And, uh, but... You know, you're not going to give up 58 points in the second half and win. It's just not going to happen. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pasco Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pasco have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pasco protection plan. Call the pros at Pasco and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pasco Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated.
4: Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville.
1: Core Jewelry!
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
4: Tommy referenced it earlier. The Arkansas men and women's track team took home the SEC Indoor Championships this weekend. You've had a lot of success with your track and field program. Night straight for the women and fourth straight for the men. Guys, that's just almost like we're just so used to that level of expectation for that track and field programs.
1: Yeah, you but- just think about how hard that is. Nine in a row four in a row. I mean, if if it was any other sport, I mean, uh you know, we'd be talking about the dynasty of dynasties. But it's 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 amazing what they've done. Yeah. Lance Harder, what
3: 33 seasons I believe it is, set to retire with the women's track program. I mean, just the incredible run he has had and uh you know, but you know, even when you had the transition on the men's side, you had a few things there, but they you know, they they've still found their way, maybe not to the level McDonald had it at its peak, but Uh, nationally and certainly within the conference, they have been uh, as competitive as any program out there. And I don't think there'll be any drop-off, even with the transition, the women's program is getting ready to to go underneath.
1: Here's what makes the track and field job at Arkansas harder than any other track job in America. You have to win in all three here. You look at most of your track programs out there, they're not dominant in indoor, outdoor, and cross-country. There's lots of schools out there that are good at cross country, you know, depending upon geography, you know, um, your climate may be uh, more conducive to that where you are. You're not as good in the sprints. You're not as good in the field events, or maybe you're good in the field events and not as good in the sprints. Um, At Arkansas, the expectation is you are going to compete for the national championship in indoor, outdoor, and cross country. I don't think there's another program in America where that is the expectation, that you compete for it all, in all three phases of track and field. Let me tell you something, Buck is a hell of a coach. And um, how in the world you operate after the shadow of John McDonald, I do not know. And with all due respect to John McDonnell, and he would tell you this if he was still alive, that. Not everybody back then competed for championships the way Arkansas did. John McDonald turned an individual sport and made it a team concept. And, you know, a lot of people adopted his model. And now everybody competes for championships now. They're not just trying to get a guy into the Olympics. They're competing for a championship. And I think what these guys do now in the climate again, very respectfully, is just as impressive as what happened before because of what they have to compete against now. you have been to I've been to the outdoor. I've been yeah. to an indoor meet. I've not been to an I've outdoor. I've been to all meet. of them. Yeah. Not not and and I'm not gonna lie and say that I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a regular uh you know I'm a regular observer. I'm not, but I've been to all three. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you, you know, there may not be eighty thousand people there but there is no less a will to win when those people are out there than there is in a football game or a basketball game with the whole world watching. Um, these are uh, these are world class athletes in every respect.
3: When they run the sprints, and I've been to not not one at, at Fayetteville, but I've been to track meets at different levels and the indoor one. And when they get in the home stretch of a of a 200 meter or even a 400, whatever, but on one of the sprints. That's as exciting as really anything you're going to watch in sport is what happens to that eight or ten closing seconds or less, you know, down the uh, down the front stretch of of a of a race. That that is uh, competition at its purest, right there. Mm-hmm.
1: More, it's 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 a difficult spectator sport because when you go to a meet, and anyone who's been to a meet knows this. There's a lot of things going on simultaneously it's not as obvious yeah. Yeah. it's it's it, it's not as obvious as it is when you watch a football or a basketball game and you go to a cross-country meet you're just waiting on them to run by so i i mean it's 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 not conducive to being a spectator sport but um, man their body of work i don't know how it could be more impressive
4: arkansas baseball picks two out of three this weekend they lose to eastern illinois on sunday but they get the other two in that game Chuck, how about DV8s get to 800 career wins in Arkansas this weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and he's got a lot more in the tank, too. Uh, I mean, he's not done by a, uh, by a long shot. Um, they had a good weekend. I mean, I know they lost yesterday. They got some things to figure out in the bullpen, evidently. But, um, you know, they're 5-2 and two right now, and, um, you know, it looks like they've got another good team. Courtney Diefel's
4: program, they drop one on Friday in that double heather, but they lose the next or excuse me, they win the next four. So they won five of six this weekend. Mike Neighbors' group got a win last night, or I guess yesterday, seventy-eight to sixty-five over Texas A&M. I think that gets them to twenty wins, if I remember that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we've been talking about the basketball team this morning, eighty-six to eighty-three loss to Alabama. Here's Nick Smith Jr. on on what happened in the second half.
6: It's not confidence; it's just the, the ability to be not letting the team take over. We had the first half. Second half, if it was 0-0, we would have lost by
4: 20. He brings up the the difference in that second half. I mean, Chuck, you've said it. You scored 83 on Alabama in their arena. You got a good chance to win. It just, unfortunately, some things didn't go your way, and certain guys on Crimson Tide just took over in that second half.
1: Well, you gave up 28 points in the first half and 58 points in the second half. I mean, you know, that pretty much tells you right there. Sums it up. All right, last thing,
4: Isaiah Joe... Has been on fire. He gets, I think, his first starts or one of his first starts for the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday. Pours in 28 points, including six threes, has 24 yesterday, including a Nan 1-3. After this
3: game has dwindled down in the third quarter, Isaiah Jones, the three-point shot cluster is five as it
4: goes in. He's becoming Arkansas's most consistent player right now in the NBA. I, I never thought I'd say that, but I mean, you think about a three-star kid coming out of Fort Smith Northside, had a good career at Arkansas, but from a points-per-game standpoint, he's leading all Razorbacks in the NBA right now.
1: Well, you know, he's in a situation where they're going youth, and some of these other guys aren't. And so uh, um, he does have an advantage there, not to take anything away from what he and Jalen are doing. They are very, very fortunate. Best thing that happened to Isaiah Joe is, you know, he got out of Philly. Not that it's not a great organization. Not that, you know, I'm saying anything about them. It's just there wasn't a spot for him to play. And he's going to Oklahoma City. They are not a playoff team, although they're kind of right there at the cusp. But um, they have committed to youth. Um, and he benefits from that. Jalen benefits from that. You know, you know Philadelphia is trying to win the NBA championship. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, like, for example, Moses Moody. Um, you know, Moses is in a great organization, but he's not in a place where he's going to get an abundance of playing time. They're, they're trying to win a world championship. That's their expectation. Um, Isaiah and Jalen, fortunately for them, I think, are um, in a situation where they're not trying to win a world championship at Oklahoma City. So uh, these guys are getting to play a lot and they're taking advantage.
4: hour number three of the Morning Rush on a hot take Monday. Tommy Kraft, Chuck Barrett, Ty Richardson. Still a lot to discuss here this morning. I want to talk about the SEC standings in basketball right now after Arkansas's loss on Saturday. 8-8, eight and eight, two games remaining, one game in Knoxville tomorrow night and Lexington on Saturday, excuse me, against the Wildcats at home in Fayetteville on
3: Saturday. Address both those coming up. Hot Take Monday, always brought to you by Wheels RV, five miles west of exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale. Lee, Jay, Chris, and their crew are getting ready for a great spring. You know, they yes, they sell RVs and they sell great ways to enjoy the outdoors, but they really sell memories with your family. Whether it's uh, camping in one of the great state parks or getting on the road and maybe heading south and getting down on uh, one of the beaches in Florida, they can they can send you so many places to do it in style and stay right at the attraction. That That is the main thing with, uh, with Wheels RV. Plus, they have a lifetime warranty on every new RV they sell. It's all at Wheels RV, five miles west of Exit 72, off of I-49 in Springdale. Seek, explore, discover with Wheels RV. So Arkansas is
4: sitting solo in the SEC standings right now in 8 and 8. I guess you could get as low as 10th and as high as 5th. You got three teams above you at 9 and 7 and two teams behind you at 7 and 9. Georgia's is at 6 and 10, but you do have the tiebreaker over them head to head right now. Guys, this is a big week for Arkansas and what they can do not just in the SEC standings but maybe in their seed line as well
3: with two quad one opportunities. Yep, yeah, it's possible. More. You need to watch what Missouri, Auburn, and Vanderbilt are doing right ahead of you. It's, you. know Those are three teams to keep an eye on, Chuck.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I know everybody's ultimately looking at seeding right now, and I've looked at it too, you know. Um, I see Arkansas primarily on the 8 or 9 line. I guess conceivably they could get to a 7, and, you know, it might drop to 10 or 11. I don't know. But, um, you know, depending upon how it goes, I think that, you know, is mathematically possible. I do think they're in. But, um, you know, yes, seed line's going to be affected. Uh, I guess, theoretically, it would be nice not to be an 8 or a 9 because then you don't have to play, you know, the one seed in the uh, round of 32. But, you know, if you're a 7 or a 10, I guess you're going to have to play the two seed. So, you know, either way, you're going to play a really good team. It's going to be an upset if you win. I'll put it that way.
4: Do you guys watch any other SEC games on Saturday? Chuck, I know your schedule's a little different than Tommy and myself. So I watched the Mississippi State game. They're, As you said last week, playing for their tournament lives. They got a big win against Texas A&M. And um, Kentucky whacked Auburn by nearly 30 or more than 30 points. Do you guys get a chance to watch any other SEC action?
1: Well, I uh, uh, put myself through a portion of the LSU Ole Miss game last Saturday. (laughs) I I have no logical explanation for why I did that. I mean, the remote was at my hand, and I still watched a little bit of it. But uh, I'm not surprised. Kentucky's really playing well right now. Kentucky's better than they were when we played up there. And I'm not so sure that this game Saturday won't be just as tough, if not tougher. As the ball game was up in Lexington they're uh, they're hitting their stride. I think the reports of Kentucky's demise were greatly exaggerated and that's going to be a very difficult ball game Saturday and and Kentucky you know we were talking about the tournament and the crowd and all that stuff earlier. Um, Kentucky people be there on Wednesday. I mean they will be. And uh, they are, uh, I guess they're what we were back in the day when we went to the Southwest Conference Tournament in Dallas. Um, You know, for those who made that trip regularly, they remember what it was like. Um, You know, it's the Kentucky Invitational, particularly when they play it in Nashville. So, um, you know, if um, I I would still, if somebody put a gun to my head and said, who's going to win the SEC tournament, I'm not sure I wouldn't say Kentucky. Yeah.
3: What's happened with Auburn? They only have won three of their eight games in the month of February. That includes Georgia, Missouri, and uh, let's see, uh, in beating Ole Miss uh, this this past week. Uh, Auburn was as good as any team, as hot as any team early in the conference stretch. And Chuck, they've really come unraveled in the month of February.
1: I've really not paid a lot of attention to them, honestly, since we played. I've watched their numbers, you know, in terms of where they were in the standings. I know they had a really bad game, evidently, on Saturday. Um, I think guard play, you know, probably would be the thing that I would point to, and um, you know, having again not paid real close attention, I'm 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 not going to pretend that I have. Um, the Auburn team that I saw early in the year was really talented, I, uh, but but I suspect turnovers and guard play and things like that's probably what's plagued them more than anything.
4: You've got Wendell Green, who's better than he was last year, and then some other guys. I mean i forgetting the sharp kid or whatever. And then you've also got Katie Johnson, who is a walking turnover at times. They haven't had the guard play that Bruce Pearl has had over the years, the past two years. It hurt him last year with the best front court in the country. And I don't think it's
1: helping him this year either. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know that they shoot as well as some of the teams that he's had the last mm-hmm. couple of years, but um, you know, generally, and again, I, 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 I could be completely off base because I've not paid close attention to him, but, Um, Generally, when you have teams that lose like that, turnovers are a big part of it.
3: And you mentioned Kentucky. They're the hottest team, at least from a streak standpoint. They've won their last four in this league. That's more than any other team. Uh, So uh, you you, you hope to catch Kentucky at the right time, and maybe uh, you you haven't done that with the scheduling. But
4: that's what you want. I mean, you wanted them to. We said it a couple weeks ago. You want Kentucky to start winning before that game. That makes that win, if you get it on Saturday, look better. I mean, we advocated for it. Now we're going to. Well, I, I
1: have no problem with Kentucky playing well. I, I mean, I knew when people were putting dirt on the grave, it was way too early. Uh, I mean, um, they're Kentucky and they'll be good at the end.
3: Yeah. They play Vanderbilt on Wednesday, so and that's in Lexington because they beat them already in
4: Nashville. Yeah, they uh, Vandy. Who did Vandy beat? Vandy beat. I can't remember who they played. They won over the weekend, but that's not going to be an easy game. Vanderbilt's one of the surprise teams of the league this year. They've got a. Uh, they beat Florida. Yeah.
1: They, they play Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken, in their other game this week.
4: Do they? They're nine and seven right now. Again, State's right behind you, at seven and nine. I mean, Chris Jansen company. They're still trying to get a tournament spot, so they really need to win
3: this week. And whoever they play Saturday, and get that one as well. Yeah, that game's in Starkville. That's Tuesday night. That's the eight o'clock game. Yeah, then
1: they go on the road Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. So, North uh, Carolina at Starkville on yeah. Tuesday. So they should, uh, um, you know. I don't know that Mississippi State will go two and zero. I would imagine they'd go at least one and one. So um, they're trying to get in the the, you know, one of the uh, brackets that I saw had him in as an eleven seed. I could see that. I, I could see him going to Dayton and playing on Tuesday night. But. Um, yeah, they're fighting for their lives. I was not surprised they beat A and M. I mean, you put a you put a pretty good team with their back to the wall playing at home on Saturday afternoon. Most of the time, that team's going to
4: win. 877-377-6963. Ryan is in Hot Springs this morning. What's up, Ryan?
2: Hey, buddy. Uh, hey, I can answer uh, uh, Chuck's question why he watched that game. Why is How's that? that button?
1: You're a glutton. <laughs> I guess that's right. I am a glutton. Joe Klein was doing uh, the game, if I'm not mistaken. I like Joe.
2: Uh, that that makes a difference there, though. That does make a huge difference. It's hard not not to like Joe Klein. Oh,
1: he's the. But best. uh,
2: you know, the reason why I called is because you know I'm actually pretty excited about this uh, team. the way we played, I, I didn't expect us to win, but to to be at the end of the game with a shot to push overtime. That's a step in the right direction, and I, I feel like we got a, a much better chance to. I'm not. I'm not predicting it, but I do. I, I like our chances going into this week, or before the Alabama game to to have a better shot at beating Tennessee than we do uh, Alabama. I don't. I'm not saying that they're they're bad or anything. They just hadn't played as consistent as Alabama has, and you catch them on the right night, you can beat Tennessee. But uh, you know, you were talking about how much better Kentucky's gotten, but you know what? So have we. So I feel like that's kind of a uh, we're kind of on the be kind of on the same footing now, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about Saturday's game. And I think if we can get a, a win against Kentucky sat, uh, Saturday, we can that'll springboard us into the SEC tournament. And I like our chances to uh, make a deep run, if maybe not win it. Uh, not predicting that, but uh, I'd love to see it though. So that's my thoughts. Hope y'all have a great day and uh, go Hogs.
1: You know, it's interesting you say that because I think he really echoes what a lot of people feel. I feel that way. He said, I like our chances twice during that call. I've heard that phrase from Razorback fans more over the last couple of weeks than I've heard it at any point this season. And I think that's where our team is. I think that's where our fan base is right now. I don't know how far they're going to go. I don't know that they're going to win a game this week. I I have no idea. But I know that there's not anybody out there right now, anybody, that you look at and say, I don't want to play them. I mean, guys, Alabama's number two in the country playing on their home floor on a Saturday afternoon. You had a shot to send it into overtime. Yeah, you can point to reasons why you didn't win. But the, but, but the point of the matter is, I mean, you're right there. And um, so I think everyone has the feeling that I like our chances. So, you know, and look, you got, unfortunately, you got Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky back to back to back at the yeah. end. And you're going to play a team very likely in the first round in Nashville that's fighting for their lives, too. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a photo finish or a race to the finish, whatever phrase you want to use. It's, it's certainly that. Other,
3: I'm sorry. Uh, other than Alabama, and they have a 2 0 week, I'm not sure what they're playing for in Nashville. Everybody else seems to be playing for something to see, to, uh, maybe to get into the tournament. There is uh, probably five or six teams that may decide their fate and, or at least the seed line in the tournament in Nashville. It's going to be, an ex- I think, a very fun tournament to watch.
1: It's going to be interesting to see. I'm going to be interested to see how Alabama plays. You always wonder about that with a number one seed, and they have been the best team in the league, and they are the best team in the league, but the best team in the league during the regular season doesn't always win the tournament, and a lot of it does have to do with – You know, what you're playing for that day. Where are you? Alabama's going to be a number one seed regardless. You know, the 8-9 winner could upset Alabama on Friday. They're still going to be a number one seed. So they may not be the number one overall seed, but they might still be. And, you know, so everybody's got a different agenda when they get there. Um, You know, look, Alabama may be so good this year that they run the table, in the or not run the table, but win the regular season decisively and then run the table in the tournament. They may be that good. But most of the time, if someone going into the tournament would say, you're going to take the number one seed, you're going to take the field. Most of the time, if you take the field, you're going to win. You're going to win more times than you lose. But Alabama may be so good this year that they just run through the whole thing. They are very good and um, somebody's going to have to play their best game of the year to beat them. You mentioned what's to play
4: for, Tommy. Texas A&M, at least mathematically, still has a chance to hold a share of the conference title. Now, Bama would have to lose twice this week, and then A&M would have to beat them. So they do close out in College Station against the Crimson Tide, but that's it, it just got
1: a lot tougher with them losing on Saturday to Mississippi State. Yeah, it's a tough loss for them, but it's not a bad loss. You know, you Mm -hmm. can't say out of, you know, one side of your mouth went, man, Mississippi State's making a run. They got a chance to get in. And then on the other side of your mouth say, well, it's a bad loss for A&M. Now, look, A&M is paying the price for what happened before conference season began. That's what they're paying the price for. Um, But, you know, I'll say it again. If if somehow the numbers spit out that Texas A&M doesn't belong, then you need to blow the whole thing up because if you're trying to tell me that's not one of the best 68 teams in the country, I, you know, you've know you you've not watched much basketball.
4: Ryan was talking about Tennessee earlier. The thing about this game tomorrow night is Sakai Ziegler and Vescovy, two veteran guards you're going to have to defend. They got Josiah Jordan-James back who's knocking down threes on Saturday against the Gamecocks. They're better defensively this, than Alabama, but they go on droughts like you do at times. You can win this game tomorrow night. Chuck, you just said it. I had a lot of people texting me before that game that thought Arkansas was going to pull it out. Now, I know they covered, but and they were close to the tail end, but I, I've really seen a change in script the last two weeks about how
1: Arkansas fans feel about this team right now. Oh, there's no doubt. I think everybody feels that way, and that's why I say, I mean, I like our chances has been an oft-uttered phrase around our state lately, so... You know, I think, I think, you know, that's the feeling that the team has, and I think that's the feeling the rest of us have, too. Guys, if you're in the market to sell or buy a home, I want to recommend my friends at Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. I talk about them a lot, and, you know, that's because of my experience, and it's because I think you'll have the same experience with them, too. You know, these are not people that do this on the side. This is not a side gig. Uh, this is what they do every day. Uh, They're trained professionals, and they're trained better than anybody else in the business. When you partner with an agent from Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, that's who I'm talking about. When you partner with an agent from Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, you're going to get somebody that's the best trained in the business. And that's going to allow them to understand the market in a way others don't. They'll negotiate on your behalf in a way others can't. And it's going to get you from contract to close because no matter which side of the table you're sitting on, That's where you want to get to. You want some money to change hands. You want to get in or get out, and that's what they're best at. Now, they have got an office in Fayetteville. They're in uh, Springdale, Bentonville, Fort Smith, Branson, Missouri. You're going to see their yellow signs, and you can log on to WeikertGriffin.com. Chuck, what's the Cardinal way? Well, you know, you have to be a lifetime Cardinal fan, I think, to fully understand what it means. You have to see it over over a period of time. I mean, it goes back. It goes back to the Gas House Gang. I mean, and you know, you fast forward to, I guess, Stan Musial, and probably in 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 my lifetime, Tony La has defined the Cardinal way uh, more than uh, more than anybody else. Consistent winning. Um, you know, you look at the the greats in the organization, the way they've developed them themselves, and they've never been an organization that goes out and um, you know depends entirely upon free agency. They've always you know, in my mind anyway, won the game in a classy way. The best part about talking about the Cardinal Way is I know how much it infuriates Cubs fans. There's nothing Cubs fans hate worse than hearing a Cardinal fan talk about the Cardinal Way. Now, uh, as a uh you know, as a lifetime Cardinal fan, I'm not sure they've not gotten away from the Cardinal Way a little bit over the last ten years. That's a different subject. But uh hey, Wilson Contreras understands it. And if you're there and you're around it. You feel it. For me, I like this better. This better organization. We all like old school way, which I love it. And that's something that I really like it. I was I already talked to uh, the manager about it, like how was the coach here. And everything
5: since I got here has been everything just one way, the Cardinal way. And I have to adjust it. So it's not that hard. Do everything right and respect each other. That's it.
4: Christian's blood boiling just hearing that mm, clip, I Chuck. I love it.
1: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. There's nothing that makes a Cubs fan matter than having a Cardinal fan in a condescendingly way yeah. talk, of, or a condescendingly manner talk about the Cardinal way.
4: Yeah. And it hurts because I saw Contreras as a lifetime Cub, and then he goes to the Cardinals, and well, well,
3: yeah, he knows a winner way. when he sees one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was it 13? You said 13? Are you me? I think world it's 13
4: top. World Titles. I right? don't. So I don't have a huge vendetta against Cardinals fans. Everyone in Little Rock's a Cardinals fan. I'm a a very bad Royals fan just because I wanted to be different. But I have my best friend, Chuck. He is – his dad's from Los Angeles, diehard Dodger fans, and he cannot stay in the St. Louis Cardinals because they beat him in the postseason seemingly every
1: year. At least they used to. Yeah, they used to. You're right. Dodgers have taken a big step forward, and the Cardinals have taken somewhat of a step back. But, no, those are the two most – I mean, those are the two oldest, most traditional franchises in the National League, certainly. And, I mean, if you were – you know, if you look at traditional franchises in baseball, you that those are two of them that they're right up there with the Yankees, and you know maybe one or two others, but that's as storied as it gets in the in the senior circuit. You mentioned the
4: Yankees, and I saw this today on this day in 1963, Mickey Mantle signed a deal for 100 grand, and that was big back then. Did you guys see that Manny Machado just signed that new deal for 350 million dollars?
3: With the San Diego Padres, silly money, crazy, crazy. Eleven World Titles, by the way, Christian. And in case you were wondering,
0: we lead the
3: all-time series. And in in case you were wanting twenty-three pennants to go along with that.
1: Well, you know, Christian's been a lifetime Cubs fan since 2016. Yeah. So I know he, I know he feels (laughs) it in a special way. Whole life, whole life. Yeah. What are you like, nineteen?
4: 27, man. All okay. 27
1: years. All right. I
4: will right. say, getting to go to Billy Goats Tavern, and this was prior to them actually winning, that was a cool experience just going to Chicago and seeing the history and everything involved with that. But, I mean, got a chance to be in Ballpark Village last weekend and then uh, doing to see that. Those are, I mean, those are two ballparks. I don't know. It's not the old Bush Stadium, but it's pretty cool to see both those venues.
1: Hey, I will say this if you're a Cardinals fan or a Cubs fan um, and you have an opportunity to go, There is nothing quite like a Cardinals-Cubs weekend series at Wrigley Field. Um, There's nothing quite like it. And, look, I I love it when they play in St. Louis, too. But um, you do go to the Billy Goat Tavern when you're there. And, I I mean, there's a, uh, um, you know, despite what you hear, Chicago is a great city. And it's fun to go to. And, um, you know, it's – uh, that's a great weekend. I would highly recommend Cards Cubs at Wrigley if you can pull it off. You've yeah. talked about that, Tommy.
3: No, you I didn't do that. It's, my, it's on my bucket list, but uh, I was just looking here that, that the Chicago Cubs have, have been in 11 World Series. Now, 10 of the 11 were before the end of World War II, but, uh, but they have made 11 and won three. Now, most of them weren't in my great-grandparents' lifetimes, but, you know, they – Two of the three. It's not a great percentage. No.
4: Sorry, Christian. They're probably on this
3: morning. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just driving the point just home. Facts. I mean, these aren't opinions; these are facts. I'll take you a got, World Series every 27 <laughs> years if I can. Yeah, <laughs> most
4: of our audience is pumping their fist, yeah. and uh, other percent. I got, of our got a buddy, Robert, that I hope he's listening
3: right now because he's he's gritting his teeth at me too. So. I don't know where all these Cub fans come from, but I guess off the bandwagon in 2016.
0: This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent